All right, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Tiger Pit is brought to you by Athlon Rub. Athlon Rub is the next generation in performance and recovery for all sports. It is a new approach on the traditional Thai oil formula, founded on the time-tested formula and enhanced through proven ingredients. Made in an FDA and ISO certified lab in the USA, certified and continually tested by informed choice to be free of banned substances, PEDs, and cross-contamination. You can go to athlonrub.com and take a look at all the products they have available, read testimonials from users, and see what everybody else is saying. And when you got some things in your cart, get an additional 10% off when you use the promo code the Tiger Pit. That's athlonrub.com and promo code the Tiger Pit for an additional 10% off all the cool stuff you're gonna buy. We are also brought to you by Knock My Legends. Knock My Legends celebrates the heroes, legends, and icons of Muay Thai and kickboxing. Their mission is to create art in the form of apparel that honors each fighter's contribution to the sport and the art we love. They also have a great selection of shirts, gear, and accessories that highlight the greats from the sport from the past up until today. You can go to knockmylegends.com, that's N-A-K-M-U-A-Y legends.com, as well as Facebook and Instagram, and check out what they have, and when you're ready to buy something... You're at checkout. Enter the promo code the Tiger Pit for an additional 10% off your purchase. Again, that's knockmylegends.com, N-A-K-M-U-A-Y legends.com, or knock my legends on Facebook and Instagram. This episode also brought to you by Diplomatico Rum. Diplomatico is distributed in over 80 countries around the world. It holds the Ron de Venezuela DOC and is recognized as one of the world's finest rums. They have three different ranges for your tastes traditional prestige and the distillery collection you can find them online at rondiplomatico.com that's ron r-o-n which means rum in spanish for those of you who don't speak spanish who listen to this program you probably should speak spanish listen to this program you'll probably enjoy it anyways it's rondiplomatico.com to learn more about who they are and find out some history behind one of the world's greatest rums We are also brought to you by Unplugged Essentials. Hemp is at the core of their innovation. However, not all hemp is created equal. Instead of using either isolated CBD or cannabis oil, which are the most popular cannabis-derived products on the market right now, they have infused their soaks with a water-soluble, hemp-derived, phytocannabinoid-rich powder. This way, they make sure that all their products take advantage of the several hundred bioactive components present in hemp. They also make no compromise in quality to ensure each batch is lab-tested and 100% THC-free. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook or go to unpluggedfloatessentials.com and get yours today. And you can use the promo code THETIGERPIT at checkout for an additional 10% off your order. That's Unplugged Essentials on Instagram and Facebook and unpluggedfloatessentials.com online. Just, you know, regular online. And like I said... Use the promo code the Tiger Pit for 10% off your order. All right, and this is for our New York friends and listeners here. Um, we are also brought to you by the Stepping Razor Barbershop at 952 Flushing Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. The Stepping
Stepping Razor leans into the realm of the classic 1940s American barbershop. They specialize in American classic traditional haircuts and shaves, but are versatile and can do much, much more. You can check them out on Instagram at The Stepping Razor Barbershop or go to thesteppingrazor.com to book your appointment and get yourself looking good and feeling good. And lastly, we are brought to you by The Dojo NYC at 1082 Cypress Avenue in Ridgewood. The Dojo NYC is a fully equipped martial arts training center specializing in Cobrinha Jiu-Jitsu, traditional Muay Thai, and MMA. Whether you want to go and just get a good workout or compete at a high level, it's a great place to train. You can also go to the dojonyc.com and check out their classes, instructors, programs, and even sign up for a free trial class, which hopefully after you do that, you'll sign up for more and keep going and get better at jujitsu, Muay Thai, whatever it is you're going for. That's the dojonyc.com online and the dojonyc on Instagram. All right, we made it through the sponsors. So, this weekend in New York was the big uh, Felibration, celebration, celebrating the life and music of Fela Kuti. So we figured it was a perfect opportunity to get one of Brooklyn's original OG Afrobeat stars on the show. So our guest on this episode of the show is a frontman, percussionist, teacher, and a martial artist. His spirit was first ignited at Fela's Club, The Shrine, in Lagos, Nigeria. As a lead singer and percussionist for Antibalas, he's ignited festival crowds and packed audiences across four continents, sharing the stage with heavyweights such as James Brown, The Roots, Michael Franti and Spearhead, Tony Allen, Femi Kuti, Sean Kuti, and Baba Mayal, just to name a few. He is also senior master of the Jiao Ga Kung Fu School of Martial Arts and has also trained and performed the role of the lion head in traditional Chinese lion dance for over 20 years. He also fronts his own group, Amayo's Fu Orchestra, where he bridges the philosophies and movements of Afrobeat and Kung Fu. So without further ado, will you please welcome to the Tiger Pit, Amayo. On the next episode of Adventures in Animals. It's a and a Polish guy. Okay, we'll start the podcast right here. It's 9 o'clock. It's dark enough. I'm putting on my ninja suit. That's the part, right? You gotta get into your head. Now you're struggling with your words. Check the Yelp reviews. I'm sure they have like four. It's amazing. I was trying to get that out and I had a hard time struggling in my head. They just see something they don't recognize me. Check out immediately. I had a point. I had a point. Coming to the stage. I've heard this many times from different sources. You didn't even know me when I was hanging out there. That sounds like such a burnout thing to do. Tiger Pit. She applied for TED on my behalf and got all the application came in. They had all these questions. Perfect. So each question took me into my past. Okay. So I, I got, you know, I started flowing, kind of how we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. And then my girl was like, turn on the phone. So I turned on the phone. We just started talking, talking about, talk about a story over there. Talk about what happened in Lagos. We talk about what happened to you when you were at Howard. Talk about, so all the how the flow of how how my life brought me to Brooklyn, to Williamsburg, to mm-hmm. 9-11, that whole, mm-hmm. and what I was doing then and what I was searching for. I was kind of like trying to, you know, I was trying to get the fuck out, mm-hmm. you know, of, of New York or whatever, of America, not New York, but of America. The concept of America. Mm-hmm. I, I felt myself like I was seeing it face to face that it's not what it was. Because when I came, I was seventeen. Oh, you, you oh, were. Wow. You know, all these years I've known you, I never, I never really knew the story uh, up until when I met you. Yeah. I didn't know nothing before that. Yeah, 
I just well, knew from there from, forward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from that no moment, you know what I mean? Yeah, twenty that something is, years of knowing you. I don't know nothing you know, before that time. Zionics and yeah. that's where it starts. Spa. That's where it starts. Yeah, exactly. Our life starts. You know. <laughs> that is kind of where. As a matter of fact, I was telling my guy. I said, you know what, man? I said, do you know like there's there's there is a footage that exists. I haven't seen it of of the party that happened. I have some. <laughs> I, have, I, I have a VHS tape with the with both performances. I yeah, I think believe it, both yeah, both performances. Are VHS, on that. VHS. We yeah. should get it converted, bro. Yeah, yeah. I have. <laughs> I just had. I have like a whole suitcase of VHSs that I'm having. Uh, not VHS. I'm sorry. What's the uh, small? Um, you had that little Z, camera. Yeah, the mini the, DV or whatever they call it. Yes, that. mini DV. DV yes, yeah. exactly. Or whatever. Yeah, mini the camcorder thing. Yes, that's right. Well, yeah, but you can you can have all that. But man, those part those part, those parties were great. Yeah. Tell me, man, that is a footage because we we were embarking like embarking on doing this documentary for Antibalas uh, because it was twenty years and cool man through conversations we should just we should just do, do a little documentary, and then. My girl, mm-hmm. my wife, she's like, a, she's the queen of manifestation. Nice. And her friends gave her that name, right? And she, Makes stuff she, happen. Yeah, and then she just, you know what? I should embody the name because when, when we had the baby, you know, we were like in a place where we got to do something. Yeah. We got, now, now we got a baby on our hands or a baby coming, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, she sold her apartment in Manhattan. It was like she was in a squatted building that she had been for 10 years. And she's in one of those, she has all her friends in that building call her Miss Manifestation because yeah. she knows how to make shit happen. Yeah. So That's a good nickname to a, have. Yeah. So she took, <laughs> yeah. That, she took that nickname and made it a business. And while we had the baby, she wrote a book. I mean, like all this was, all this stuff was happening. Manifestation made easy. She's like household name right now. She's fucking rocking nice. it. I like this so, woman already. Oh, her name is Jen. Anyway, Jen and I, Jen, she was just so I always like Jen. when I tell her things, I gotta be ready to take action or don't tell her. Oh, you keep uh-huh. it. Yeah, yeah, keep it yes. until you're ready. Right, because yeah. she's gonna call you out. She's gonna call you, you better out. Better do this. Second. Yeah. So I've been, I've been I've been living with this woman like. Hey, she's that's like, a positive thing so right she, there. Yeah, she she kept me on my toes and kind of. Make, Mm-hmm. Work on my craft a bit more. Anyway, make a long story short, she suggested, "Yo, you guys should just, you know, do a crowd crowdfund. You know, you gonna do. You guys, I got you got a story. Twenty yeah. years, mm-hmm. I know you. I've known you guys. I know, I know the story behind, behind, behind the story, and I know all the lies inside the stories and blah blah blah. <laughs> so you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> she said, Yo, so we did, we did crowdfunding. Uh-huh. Martin, Martin was like, man, Martin didn't want to do it. No." You know, Martin is Mr. He's, he thinks it, he thinks the whole society is is against us. Which, you know, which is it is good yeah, sometimes. There is truth so, there. Yeah, there is a lot of truth to that, right? But you know, you can you, you don't need to stay there forever. That's right. Right. That's right. That's right. You can, there, you there can are, change the game. But exactly, the, you got to flip the script. You yeah. know. So I was saying, yo, man, but you know, we got to do something differently, and we got to look at it from a different perspective, in a place. You know, like mm-hmm. why don't we tell the story? Let's tell our story by having all besides other people telling our story. So mm-hmm. my girl said, "Yo, crowdfund this stuff. Why don't you guys?" My team was say, "Yeah, let's raise like twenty hundred. My guess, no, let's raise a hundred thousand, dude." So we were like, "You know what? Let's come in the middle, fifty thousand dollars, and we raise fifty thousand dollars because, but because she said it, she said, "You know what? Because I I talked you guys into it, I'll run it for you." She ran it. 
We succeeded. We made the money. You know, so things kind of started from that point on. Mm-hmm. You know, have we, you started we, production on this? We are in the middle of a lot of talking. Uh-huh. We had a director came in and a, f- a friend, a friend who was also a donor. You know, checked in and came on board. Things didn't go so well with her. <laughs> She's a Nigerian lady, but she was she meant well. She was solid, mm-hmm. but uh, she was more of a, um, um, a producer. You know, like she, mm. she could raise money, mm-hmm. but she wanted to do both. And I and I thought because she wanted to wear both both hats, that's a lot to execute. Yeah, yeah. It 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 put her in a place where she made all these demands. Because trying to wear the director hat made her boss us too much to a point where <laughs> it kind of rubbed people off the wrong way, you yeah, know. But yeah. but but I knew where she was headed with the whole thing. Where it just didn't. It was not the right situation, you mm-hmm. know. So, but when we raised the money and we met a lot of people, we met a guy who was probably gonna foot the whole bill. Wow. So we we are trying to like you know tread that. You know that water with care. You know, want to like put a solid package together, and probably put a crew together to work with him. So we, because I'm not a filmmaker, but I'm trying to be one at yeah. some point. You know, well, you're an artist, so you, you know, you're not I, a flow I, you know, like, different things. You know, as a matter of fact, mediums. I've always, you know, like I was, I was like part of what I was reading about what I was telling my whole story was when I was in college. I had this thesis statement that says um, design knows no boundaries or art knows no boundaries. So, and my name is Amayo, which means if you don't go, you never know. So those two things put together has been my, like, my driving okay. force. You know what I mean? Nice. Like, every time we tell you something. Is that really something, what it means? Hmm, yeah. It does Amayo, mean, yeah. yeah. That's really what it means, it means. It means if you don't go, you never know. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that, that was how I was able to talk my mom into, into coming to America. Because oh, I was wow. 17. You said, you named me this. Yeah, I was, exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, when the argument dropped, when she says, you're not going, because I'm my mom's only child, you know, she was, you know, protective yeah. of, mm-hmm. of her son. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, so. Yeah. So I made all my moves. Got my, I, got a, I got my own visa, got my passport. I got accepted in the college. I got, I got you know, I, I did all my own you know, old school research. Go to the library. Sounds like I you were the like king a, of manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I was, I was kind of like about action, basically, yeah, right? Man. So me and her are kind of like a good, you know, good match in terms of like, you know, she talks the talk and she pushes you to do it. I'm an action guy. You just tell me, boom, I go do it. So you know that that kind of has driven me and through that whole period and then coming to to New York, I came to New York with off of a project where I had like thirty dancers, you know, like. Martial artists. I was mm-hmm. teaching in martial arts, you know. Okay. In, in yeah, D- I want to in, touch on that too. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. In DC, just my just before I came to, you know, before I opened that spot, you mm-hmm. know. So I was off of off of a off of a successful trail of like I did a campaign where the city of DC hired me uh, to to do a, a Malcolm X campaign, like okay. this whole ad campaign for the bus. Like print ads, graphics, mm, uh, extend the whole thing. I did the whole T-shirt thing, the whole you know, because I was all I was always into like you know really cool graphics for T-shirts. Do you do all <clears> the gra- like graphic work for Dubai's? In the beginning, yeah, uh-huh. when I first that was kind of how we, that was like the 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 the, the trade-off. You okay. Because I didn't want to be in a band. 
Who didn't? No, because you don't make money. <laughs> I had a business. <laughs> I had the outro spot to run. You know, like then all I thought about was fortunately then the rent was not so high and my rent was like like a like thousand dollars. Yeah, back, back then, 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 yeah, wow. back then that was... when I moved in it was seven fifty. Oh my lord. But I didn't, I didn't pay the, I didn't pay the seven fifty until after three months. I moved in three months free rent uh-huh. to renovate. Yeah, old school okay. style. So old I came in York. like bust yeah. ass. Old I gotta, York, I gotta do it quick, you know. Like yeah, <laughs> they don't do that no more. <laughs> you ain't getting that no more. Yeah, yeah man. I that place was big too. Oh man. man, I didn't like do the legit lease thing too because the landlord. I mean, he gave me a lease, like a real legitimate lease, mm-hmm. to, you know. But he didn't really check my, Anything, you know, yeah. he didn't check my whole. That's <laughs> old school. Yeah. They're like, he oh, you I got money, Jack? Yeah, cool. I had money, and he liked what I wanted to do mm-hmm. because I went into the space, I took pictures, and then I did a whole sketch because I was an, an an illustrator. Yeah. So I did a sketch of the space, and wow, I, I wowed him with my illustration. Yeah, yeah. He's like, wow. Yeah. You gonna do that to my spot? <laughs> you know, like he's he's like uh, one of those, um, uh, you know, those. He's he's Puerto Rican and he runs a uh, a jewelry business on Forty Seventh Street. Oh, okay, he's All in right. it exactly cash. <laughs> yeah. So he's in his office. Yeah. Like you know, like uh, plexiglass. You know, yeah, plexiglass yeah. and rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. And I walk in. I walked in with my ex girlfriend then, and it was this blonde. Russian, six foot tall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, that's the what whole, sealed the deal. Yeah, the whole, just, exactly. I mean, like, it was all part of like, it was all like, obviously chance, but mm-hmm. I was, I was in fashion. I was in fashion. So I met the girl because her, her best friend was this Russian guy who was like my, you know, he and I were, were doing parties in Lower East Side. Financier. We're doing this party. Yeah. We're, we're doing this party called our foreplay. Okay. And part of, I mean, foreplay, that party was more like, it was an, an idea between he and I, but that, that put us in touch with uh, the guys who were doing organic grooves. Oh, all right. Okay. So I became security guard for organic grooves through foreplay because they hired us, our, like our spot, as like a, like, I mean, we did a joint party, foreplay, At hosting. No, no, no. Oh. In in Lower East Side mm-hmm. at my at my Russian buddy's uh, oh, okay. art studio where I was I was living in his art studio in the basement on Stanton Street, really cool spot. This this dude man, his father owns like a lot of real estate in Low in like Lower East Side, Manhattan, like all okay. by the bridge, like all those buildings mm. by the bridge. Like his dad, like so this guy's name is Dima. You know he's an art he's an artist himself. He paints he paints like murals, but he only paints in his basement. You, no one ever sees his work. It's very weird. Uh, it's very dark. Anyone see it? Yo, man, his stuff is really <laughs> intense. He he like he would paint like this whole like yo from that wall to this whole wall here. He would paint the whole war scene, like people like oh, war, war scene, whoa, war. tanks, bombs, whoa. rockets, like all kinds of shit. Like they would be dark. like real like like realistic paintings that he uh, would yeah, work yeah, on yeah. for like months. Whoa. And, and I'm then, like, I, I crash on the floor. It's like a whole, like a whole greenhouse in the basement. Cool spot. Everything is timed. Lighting comes in a certain time of the day. Waterfall comes in. All the plants are getting watered. And I'm like sleeping in there. He's got like, he's got like, um, he's got like all this. He's got like the old school 
um, dental chairs, mm-hmm. and three of them. Oh, okay. They kind of recline in there, yeah, and yeah. really cool. And we would carry it, carry this to a location for our, our foreplay party. The chairs. Yeah. Those things big. are not light. Exactly. You got to forklift, bring it in, we fuck that thing up, put on a little truck, haul it there, and then we buy 100 red roses, and like plant an ovalist, and then put red velvet. He had all these really crazy ideas. Yeah, crazy but ideas. that, that as a, uh, uh, as our, as our altar for our foreplay party. Mm-hmm. Okay. So man, place would be packed. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. You know, so that's how we made, you know, so that was, we, we did three parties, three foreplay parties, met organic grooves, Somehow I was able to find my spot. So that was like kind of all my connections came through these parties. All the pieces fell into and place. Yeah. So it was all like, and all I was trying to do was bring my crew back from DC doing this, this new race. I had 25 dancers. We were mm-hmm. doing these parties. They were dance, martial arts. I choreographed for them. So it was like a, a way of bringing all these kids together. So I found a way to do something I truly love. I would print t-shirts, make money. Because mm-hmm. that campaign, I raised a lot of money during the campaign. So I made money. I was able to like be able to you know fund this project. So I said, maybe if I can... So some of the kids in the project say, well, let's, make, let's organize this and actually raise money and do a whole world tour. They were, like, they were dreaming bigger than ours. Okay. Because they got all excited. We could do this whole <laughs> thing. I could make the clothing for them. We could like make a statement about unity. And that song, U-N-I-T-Y, uh-huh. was big. Okay. DC, there was a lot of shooting. So kids were feeling like, so this crew, this new race crew that I brought together became this little nucleus of kids who wanted to go out and help communities. Mm-hmm. Like, to do something. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, stop the war, whatever, all that whole like gang war stuff that was happening in DC. So, and at the same time, I was finding myself being. So you went straight mapped. to DC. This is all in DC. This you is like went straight, me. That was your first stop in the States, was DC. Well, my first stop when I came to America was New York and then, then Texas. Then, well, Texas. Texas. I can give you like, oh, I went, because Texas, that was where I got, I got accepted in college in Texas. Oh, okay. okay. So New York was a stopover, my mm. first layover. But, you know, like Nigeria in the 70s, one naira of Nigerian money was $2. American. So, American. Okay. So I came with 10,000 naira. Travelers checks. So when I arrived in New York City, when I looked at the the rates, my ten thousand was twenty grand. Like, wow. yeah. yeah. So I changed it right away. <laughs> yeah, First yeah, thing yeah. I did, I changed the money. Uh-huh. Seventeen years old, twenty grand in my pocket, and I looked at the what am I? And I got a whole day in New York City. So I looked at all that tourist thing, and I saw a whole helicopter ride. Boom. You, you <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I flew over to New York twice. I did twice, two oh, rides. Yeah. It was a hundred bucks. It was like yeah. dropping the bucket. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right, like, right. I was loaded. So you know what? It, That's awesome. But like in, 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 in hindsight, it makes sense to see why Nigerians, when they come here, they come with a swagger. Mm-hmm. See, the swagger I came with in the 70s, like 78. I came here in 78. I came with like a swagger of like, I don't know if I bring a dollar here, I could triple it easily. It was like, you know, like, yeah. so there was abundance, um, abundance, the, the abundant attitude being shared and nurtured in Nigeria at that time because we had like Festac, um, the movement of, you know, the, the, the American, you know, um, you know, the, the 60s activist movement that mm-hmm. had climaxed 
came into Lagos in the 70s. Okay. You know, like the, I mean, just think about soul, like the heart of soul, the entire, like, the, 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 I mean, James Brown, Son Ra, mm -hmm. Stevie Wonder, I mean, all the people who were, who, whoever was who back then, all came to Lagos for Festac. And I was there. And I was just finishing uh, high school, planning my, thinking about how to come to America. And when I saw all that, I was ready, man. Yeah, That's why I was so like, motivated, man. I was in the library researching. I was talking to people. I wanted to know where everything was. I wanted to know the clothing, where everybody was wearing, the, the, the gestures, the, how people talk. So that was, that was my light bulb. 17 years old. Yeah. Did you have a plan when you came? Like where you were oh, going to yeah. go? Like where you were going to stay? All that stuff? Or? Well, see, because I, because I was playing sports, I was playing um, Nigerian. I was, I was playing soccer. Soccer mm. was, you know, really, you know, and I had, um, I have an uncle who was like a superstar in Nigeria who was like motivating us to all. Mm -hmm. But we were like, those of us who were like his, you know, his younger, his youngies, we were kind of a little <laughs> faster than him. But, because he's the man, but he actually pushed me. So by the time I came to America, I was a little bit, I was kind of up to his level of skill, mm -hmm. but he was, he was, he just had, you know, he just had a lot of experience. Yeah, experience. Yeah. So I was just very, very young and fresh and strong. And I could be, I could, I could do very, very, I could do quite well in the, in the soccer league year. Cause our, our team in Texas, where they, where I, I ended up, when I was coming, I got a full scholarship. I mean, um, a soccer scholarship. Okay. It's like a tuition scholarship in Texas. So when we won the, won the championship there, then I transferred to Howard because my uncle wasn't, was at Howard. Okay. So yeah, he, he, he paved the way for me to be able to get to Texas because Texas had a better uh, soccer program. program. Yeah. And another relative of mine had a guy that was actually, that graduated from that college and he ran a radio station. So I was staying with him. So there was a little bit of music happening, you know, like so I was always around music, yeah, yeah. but it was not my focus, you know. And he was, and he's from my town, like where I'm from, like my village, you know. So were you I had, playing an instrument at that time too? While no, no you I wasn't. Were... It was just focusing on, on uh, okay. football. The you weren't playing any instrument yet? I pl see, I, I, I grew mm. up uh, playing mandatory percussion okay. in Ghana. Like when, like during, um, like, in the uh, during the civil war in Nigeria, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of people were displaced. You know, like yeah. in my in like in my neighborhood, there was a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. So my um, you know my parents, my dad has eight wives, and my, but my mom was living with my dad. So my mom and my dad were kind of like taking care of all the kids. So we all kind of had to disperse. You know, like okay. my mom sent sent you know myself and three of our other siblings. Children who were living with us sent us to Ghana for safety because we didn't have a place to move to from our neighborhood then. While my mom tried to figure out where she was going to move to, my dad had to move back to the village. So we moved to Ghana. And Ghana, man, Ghana was where I got all my percussion, martial art. Well, not martial art, but more fighting because I, I grew up in this neighborhood called the Railway Quarters. Uh, at the Railway Quarters, every weekend, it's mandatory percussion. So we learned this specific pattern you know that you play which the master was teaching all the kids you know and so i studied that or at least i played that every weekend and then once a month we had we had organized fights like, nice like 
like actual like, like boxing, like, boxing, yeah, yeah ring. They, they, they put a ring <clears throat> up in the in the uh, in the neighborhood compound, mm-hmm. and this compound was like the, where all the uh, military and the police and um, some experts, where all the uh, all like where they all live. It's like it's like uh, officers' mess, you know. So it's organized, and then they have like a ring built. So there are no fights in the whole neighborhood. Except so West, we're talking about day. Western boxing, right? Western boxing. It's old school boxing. Yeah. No gloves. No gloves. Wrap your just shirt hand around. Wrap. That's it. Wrap your shirt around. You know, wrap your shirt around your wrist and just man. And don't ring. get hit. These are, yeah. these, are kids. Kids. <laughs> these are kids. Yeah, kids. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, exactly. Like when I first arrived, any kid that first arrived, you did first to throw in the ring. So I got in the ring with this one kid, and he willed at me, and then I. I ran off the ring and ran home crying. And my grandmother shut the door of me and drove me back. <laughs> That's funny because I, I did that with my cousins growing up. Wrapping, uh, yeah. we, we would wrap Wrapped. t-shirt and yeah. then put a sock over it. But this is your cousin. You're not beating the shit out of him. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's, you're not because you're gonna get in trouble if you give your cousin a black eye. But you're talking about you were actually like in sanctioned fights. Yeah, sanctioned. <laughs> as a kid, that's so kid. crazy, man. But you know, it's officiated. You know, like this. When yeah, you get yeah. a little bit out of hand, they jump in and break it off. That's wild. And then I cried home, and my grandmother chased me, and I ran back on my way back, screaming and crying. They said, "Oh, the new kid is crying. He's coming back." So they said, "Wait, where was his opponent?" They put us back in the ring again. And I took revenge on this guy. Ooh. I went, <laughs> I went at him, crying, hitting, crying, crying. And he grabbed me and pulled me off of him. And, uh, he, I, I, you know. That's so. But so, cool. you know what? After that day, I became very, very bold about you know walking around the neighborhood and I had no fear. And it was kind of and because I know nothing would ever happen to me. On if anybody had beef, wait until the end of the month. What's at the end of the month? Oh, that's when the fight. The fights. Oh. And right. then you can pick your you can pick you your can opponent. pick your opponent, right? Yeah. Whoa, that's crazy! You call people up in the ring, <laughs> right. buddy. Yeah, <laughs> see you in the ring. Exactly. <laughs> so, so when did you what, what, what when did you get into the martial arts thing? Because I know you're a kung fu guy. Yeah. Well, that was yeah that was always in in Nigeria. Um, in in Nigeria, I, you know, I was like I went to um, like after I came back from Ghana after the civil war. Mm-hmm. So my mom was still down this neighborhood, really ghetto neighborhood, it was like a slum. Like uh, sewage across from my house is where you can like, catch like catfish. You know, we, we set trap for catfish. Whoa. So people come to the fish across my house. And over the fence, it's like um, a polytechnic. It teaches training in college. Advanced teachers training in college. Just, just fence around. And on the other side of it is where Fellas Club was. So I, can, I, I got, oh, my, wow. I oh, got wow. my weed. My first <laughs> weed ever. <laughs> so, you know, like that whole place. And it's also like... This neighborhood is so congested that it leads and feeds into this intersection called Uju Elegba that Fela sings about. Mm-hmm. It's like the most confusing, na- confusing intersection <laughs> all over Africa, whatever. I'm sure other places have gotten. Now they build an overpass. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. forget is, this well, place, yeah, <laughs> right, jump over it. <laughs> that place was where Fela's club was. That really? Is where it was like his and it was house, right near house across the street was the club. And wow. when he wanted to go to club, he would ride his donkey, and it would stop the traffic. <laughs> that was like uh, true king style, oh right there, God. man. That was, so that that was my neighborhood back then, right? So we, I, I I grew up there, and my way to school, and when I'm walking to school, there's this guy that has a blanket on the ground and sells books, comic books. 
So I would always stop and pick up comic books, you know, like I'll pick up some of these cowboy books because I was always into like, you know, John Wayne and Rinton Team, but it's but it's all this very generic cowboy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, comic books. So one day I walk by because he knows I'm always talking about, you know, um, about going to, you know, I was he knew I had interest in martial arts. Then he said, I got a book for you. He got me this book. It's called uh, Lobster Rampa. It's a book by Lobster Rampa called The Third Eye. And it, the book is like incredible. The, the cover is his, his eyes. <laughs> the third like, eye. The third eye. Yeah. Huh. And it's it's um it's like a, it's supposed to be a yogi book. Okay. Or a beginner's yogi or uh, a, a beginner's whatever one on one into like meditation the, and the study or? of yogi and the esoteric world, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And about astral travel. All right, okay. Starting to open, um, and yeah. How to navigate. I was, yeah, I was thirteen, you know. Yeah, that sounds 12, awesome. 12, 12, yeah. 12, exactly. <laughs> so that book, man, I, I have, I couldn't really comprehend as much because I was at that age. Young, yeah. All I needed was just more pictures. Mm-hmm. So when I got to a page that started describing astral travel, that became my, you know, that's that was You're like I'm I with this. Stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every night. I would be there trying to meditate and try to like uplift yeah. and breathe because I was staying with like about, we have temple living in our house. We all kind of sleep on the floor. So it was always kind of very quiet, like in the early mornings, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning, everyone is still sleeping. I'll wake up. I've always woken up early morning. So I remember like at 5, 5.30 in the morning, I'm up there, my eyes are open. I start meditating, at least trying to meditate and following all this. Yeah. So I was very intrigued and I always felt like, Everyone in this house got no idea what the world is about. They got no clue. I was so like zen at home. It's kind of how I navigated myself around all these kids who fucking got no control. Because that's how I thought. Everyone got no control. Mm. I got control. You mm. know, like, mm-hmm. so I always had this like, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I always try to find. You to be the opposite. Yeah. You know, like find a, a path to some kind of stillness, some kind mm-hmm. of path to like, some otherness. I knew there was always something other than what I'm seeing right now. Sure. All this stuff. Mm-hmm. All this stuff we were talking about. All this Christianity stuff. Right? There's something more than that. Right. I always, you know, like there's something <laughs> yeah. about it that I That's just... That's how knew. I was too. Yeah. Still am. And then these books, you know, paved the way. I mean, there was like my little window. Yeah, start to plug oh, you in. Is, right here. I knew there was something. I knew something else was out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then martial arts was always there. So fortunately for me, I was put into this... Um, school where the principal was kind of like that the principal of our school so i always got, i was observing this guy you know so he was like like open like kind of, no he was, there was still something about him uh-huh. he was not your regular african guy you know like because you know i know my dad i know all the people yeah, yeah. this dude no he's on another he whole cool. plane yeah. yeah he was smooth he spoke differently he was another whole plane mm-hmm. i mean just his whole the way he his command of english language was already like. Isn't it funny how, as a kid, you, you will gravitate towards adults that you come across your path like yeah. that? I have a few in my life that are yeah. like, and I'm still close with these Ex- people. You know, oh. <clears throat> but they've had much wore, like, yeah. you know, influence on me, mm-hmm. you know? He always wore black, short nice. sleeve, polished tight, shirt, yeah. tight. And no one dressed that way. Yeah, no yeah. one. Everybody that looked, I knew around He just looked smooth, right? They wearing long sleeve shirts, dressed in like the Western. Heat? Yeah, oh yeah, because actually. To be honest with you, like when you wear light color long sleeve shirts, yeah, it, keeps you it kind of cools you yeah. off because you mm-hmm. eat a lot of spicy food. So you okay. like spicy food, 
you, sw- you sweat. Yeah, yeah. As you sweat, your pores close off and it cools you down. It's like it's, it's kind of like okay. a, yeah, yeah, a yeah, process. And when you, I've been gone for so long. Every time I visit, I say, oh, that's the reason why all these motherfuckers are wearing long sleeves. Yeah, all. Yeah. So you, say, you kind of get reminded because you go there, you eat the food, you're the only one sweating. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of chilling. Yeah, it's all about long, <laughs> long sleeve, light color, and breathable. Yeah, you know. So it takes about a week to you know, acclimatize, uh-huh. to cool your body down to the... Anyway, man, this principle was like that, that guy. So we, we had a championship game. He took us, you know, he took us to the room. He brought his babalao in. I'm, I know babalao. My grandmother is one. So mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is cool. So he said, for us to win the championship, they're going to uh, endow us in this, okay. in this spiritual Spirit. garb, yeah. which comes in this black powder. This guy had prepared this portion. Each of us stood in line, we came in, turned around, cut the back of your neck, black powder, rub it in, say something to you, rub it on your forehead, pull me step offside. All uh, 15 of us, because it was a, a team of 11 with some extras. We all got this thing. We took our shirts off. It's like one of those, like, if I, the image of that to me right now is like fucking like child molestation or in someone else's eyes. What, why, how, why? Because we're all shirtless. Oh. Boys right. school. Oh, and we yeah. have all this black powder on our forehead. Yeah, but we that's so culture. I don't know. I'm just saying like but I know how most image, people would see it, but yeah. what's yeah. happening over here? You know, having lived in this culture, the image of that yeah, yeah. would be like terrifying. Right. Sure. And we have blood running down our necks. Mm-hmm. That's some... <laughs> right? I didn't tell my mom. No. Hell no. If I had told my mom, True. I'd be out of that school. Mm. But as a boy, being exposed to that, that affirms something that I read in, even though it's not even connected, you know. But in some way, that guy and his, the way he handled the whole thing, the way he even explaining to us, was okay. We did it. We won the championship. Boom. Affirmed. affirmed. It's almost like an initiation yeah. into yeah. something. Yeah. Like that, you know? Like that so, ritual of initiation. But your mom would have freaked you out. Like, Why? Because it was some, this was happening at school? At because school, your grandmother was... It's a boarding school. It's at school. Uh-huh. So it's not the place like, for it yeah, to be happening. It should be happening. Yeah, there, I know what saying now. Yeah. And it's about soccer. That's got nothing to do with our my, my sure. parents. Yeah. They don't give a shit about that. They want to make sure our kids are safe and they go home and got education, right? Principal is trying to make a Stephen one win a championship. Yeah, yeah. So he can be, so he can brag to his. Yeah, <laughs> which then starts to become seem almost like it could be a little bit of a corrupted thing, right? Because it's well, it's you know, not corrupted, but like, um, hey, it's for selfish reason. Selfish reason, maybe to like promote. That's cool. His school. Yeah. So he can make sure he gets his yeah. money from yeah. benefactors. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like all the schools that existed back then, how in the hell do you run these schools? They weren't run for real profit, you know, because you don't really make that much money. It's from like, you, it's like this other, either like this thing about, the, I don't know, the need to teach. Education for education's sake. Or the need to like mold a certain generation that you can kind of keep track of, you know, you know, you know mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it falls in all those categories of someone who has a passion for teaching anyway. So for me, that was how I entered martial arts because that to me was martial arts in some way. Then I went to, I got transferred to another school that actually has a martial arts program. Okay. Bam. So as I entered that school, as I joined that school, that was with my father. 
lit because I was like, it got me close to my dad. It's a very popular art school. And a lot of, you know, aristocrats send their kids to this school. And it's in, in Benin City. Benin City is like the spiritual capital of Nigeria, connected to Ife. Ife is the uh, <coughs> historical capital, but for me, Benin is the city underneath Ife, the city that keeps the keeper of Ife. Uh, Benin has also given the world some amazing artists. Oh, yeah. and Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Victor Waifu, you know. Uh, you know, democracy comes from Benin City. Uh, you know, the, the design of cities was first experimented in Benin City. Benin City had what you call the perfect road, which is straight and intersects perfectly. It kind of it created this whole thing in the architecture and sometime when, when the Portuguese and the British mm-hmm. invaded, they discovered this incredible city. Like, what the hell, what's this city? You know, like mm-hmm. part of how the city got burnt down was because there was a ritual occurring that, that's like the city is off limits because the king is not available. And this dude was like, no, the queen wants us to step over here and come on to see the king. You know, they said, no. We got our special say, why don't you come tomorrow? Fuck that. They burnt down the whole city. No. It's kind of how, it's, this is historical. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, I'm, I kind of abbreviated that yeah, whole thing, you know, yeah, paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it didn't go down like that? <laughs> in five Word for word. Now, word for word. 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 Now, and all it happened the, in three minutes. All the abbe- <laughs> Here's the king. Tomorrow? No, fuck that. Burn it down. There you go. World history. Now we're over here. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward, you know what I'm saying? You know. But anyway, Benin City, like I I'll also Benin City also became the the hub of of all athletics athletics in Nigeria. Mm. It it became where people would send athletes to go train. Because they had really good coaches there. Anyway, in, in Benin City, I was exposed to this school that was really high. It's like a high culture, you know. They they consider themselves as another whole level. Um, and our math teacher, his name is ben, Benjamin Jala. The guy has this cool name. Like shit, who's that guy? Yeah. Benjamin Jala. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a strong you name. Know, yeah. yeah, he was our math teacher. He could make stuff move by looking at it. I mean, he was our, comp- our martial arts instructor. He was teaching karate. So he, he had this whole zenness. So all of us that became members of his school, we became dubbed as the detective squad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is real, real shit, dude. <laughs> Man. And this whole this whole thing, my mom had no idea. Like, she sent my sent me off to the school. I mean, the school I discovered martial arts. So I just went off. I just wouldn't go to class. So my my grades weren't so good. I was off being detective squad, hanging out, studying martial arts, wanting to be like this detective squad. I love you know? it. And and because it's a boarding school, so our job is we go out. We can go out out of boarding so we can go out into town. When we go out of town, we go out and make sure that students are not out on campus, off, I mean, out off campus. Ah, I see campus what you were detecting. City okay. is off limits <laughs> to students. So we were detecting <laughs> students. <laughs> and then we became the social club. 
through our club, we can we could bring movies to the school. So through bringing movies, we started bringing martial arts films. Nice. We started bringing like you know all the Bruce Lee like big the big boss. We brought in like before even before Bruce Lee, we were bringing like like people like Wang Yu and Shang Tsung. You know, those are like the one arm boxer. Mm-hmm. You know, like yep. like <clears throat> so those were like. Those became influences for storytelling for, for us as the social club, Detective Squad, the martial arts club. Okay. Our club grew, we raised money. So we had one flamboyant student who doesn't come to Kung Fu classes, but talks a lot of talk. Okay. <laughs> this dude today is the largest TV evangelist in West Africa. Really? It's like my classmate. He's like the smoothest talker. His name is Chris Okoche. Chris Okoche in our detective squad. <laughs> he he became the, the guy who who wrote most of our play because we, we, we came up with some plays so we can perform for the student body to entertain the student body. So we were like really the entertainers of the student body. Okay. So we created all the any kind of entertainment that the school needs <laughs> that come to us. So we, we we designed this play called The Game of Death based on these movies and martial arts films. And Okoche wrote the whole thing. Chris Okoche came up with the script. Wow. And we had a whole, there was a whole soundtrack. We had a little small band designed for the for the whole thing. I played the okay. big character. So we performed this play like about, I don't know, 12, 14 times. It became very popular, became... You know, so martial arts became the central part of my life. And then last, at the end of the school year, my grades were very bad. I'm on, I'm on fine ride what I was doing. You're supposed to be in college doing martial arts. My dad was like, I bought you five tennis rackets. You lost them all. You wanted me to be a tennis player. So I was like, martial arts was my calling. Mm-hmm. So my mom took me out of that college and sent me off to deeper village where there was no electricity. Oh, no. This place called Ndosimili, which is like Ashaka. But that place was where my shit all came together. Oh, yeah? Because you said time to focus. Yeah. And just practice. (laughs) We, that school, I was, I just, because, you know, there was nothing to do. So you kind of had to join something. Mm -hmm. So I became best friends with the smartest guy on campus. This dude called Christopher Apochi. This dude, his whole mission in life is to study the dictionary and know every word in it. Wow. Yeah. That's like, amazing. this is like in the village, dude. <laughs> so I became his best friend. I said, you, by my, I'm going to be with you. He I'm had the best vocabulary. You, right? <laughs> best vocabulary. <laughs> Till today. Best, I mean, every man. time I, every time I, get his, I get his email, his words are not the normal words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have to get a dictionary to right. read it, man. <laughs> but Wait, what the hell does this motherfucker know, mean man, right unfortunately, now? Unfortunately, <laughs> man, he just got so religious now. Like, oh, yeah. he would just preach all this. I'm like, man, dude. Oh, that's a bummer when you. people. They, yeah, they it's always a bummer, do. They, somehow they would get them. They I would know. Suck it's a bummer in. when that happens. You're just like, you know, no, yeah. stop. And then all of a sudden, they start trying to redirect you where you're thinking. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it's not going to look like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's well, you know, it's brainwashing, and then they try to brainwash. Why don't you Everyone use else? this knowledge of yours and do God's work? Yeah. yeah. And then they yes. come with the vocabulary. Instead of recruiting. Instead they, of recruiting. They, yeah. yeah. And then they just crush you with that yeah. vocabulary. And you're like, I didn't even 
Why think I know what language is anymore. This the guy new knows what Bible about, you know? <laughs> today. You know, like that's what I, I say. You know what? If if I'm that smart, why don't I help you, Reverend? Subscribe <laughs> right. a new a new Bible. <laughs> right. <laughs> we live in the 20th century. I mean, I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. man. So that was make a long story short, or make a long story longer. That was how my whole martial art thing became. That became the window through how I saw everything. I mean, mm-hmm. literally everything. So I like, and then when I ended up when I left college, I mean, throughout college, I got deeper into martial arts. When I came to America, I was very lucky. As soon as I came, the first thing I went as soon as I arrived, I was in Texas in that school playing soccer, we won a championship. But actually, the martial arts helped me a lot in, 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 in soccer. Like, when I was I playing it. soccer, I was, I was a midfielder. Okay. I was, I was big and tall, taller than most midfielders. So you can't, you can't get the ball. I'm sorry. <laughs> I slow the game down to stand still. And I, I, can, I can do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I would just stop the ball. People would just come, I just move the ball over here, you'd be over here. You come over here, I see my body. Come over here, I shield over here. And then I, that's how I messed up my knee. People would just end up kicking me. They oh. would just get angry and whack me in my leg. So I got I got fouled a lot. But we, we won the championship in Texas. And then I got I still got notoriety when I came to DC, where my uncle was, who was badass soccer player. DC soccer team didn't have it wasn't as that good. You know, they just had all this old players like my uncle was one of them who had already lived past their prime but they didn't really have any competition in in dc area Mm. and soccer was bigger in the south you know so instead of playing soccer when i came to to howard i just switched to american football because american football you played american football yeah i was a i was a kicker as a as a soccer player as a kicker i watched a couple of soccer i watched like uh my idol was Raphael Septien of Dallas Cowboys. So I had already watched him in Texas. Learning all these So I had my... I had my... I would have lost that as a Jeopardy question. <laughs> Did Amayo ever play American football? I mean, hell no. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Yeah. Nobody knew. Yeah. Nobody knew until now. <laughs> He's been holding on to this. <laughs> Man, that, that football thing was crazy because, I, you know, I was dealing with like... I was just, I was just, I was doing my hustle because I, I, w- I wanted to get a full scholarship because I knew if I get a full scholarship, I can live on campus, I can have more extra cash in my pocket. You know, I was, you know, because I had already, I had already come with that heavy load, and Nigerian money was slowly starting to get less. Whoa. What the fuck is going on? All this like crime was really, you know, because Nigerians were like the swagger was so much. You know, the money was just, as that was occurring, I was in my hustle to get, I got my full scholarship. I was thinking about after college, where am I going after college? So I was already thinking ahead, okay, how am I going to, you know, I have a whole focus going on. And I was in this martial arts school, the best martial arts school from my perspective in America at, at the time in D.C. because mm. it's a style called Jiao Ga Kung Fu. And Jiao Ga comes from Northern and Southern Shaolin. And it's like, it's a hybrid of, some of the fiercest martial arts you can think of. And he has his roots in people like, you know, uh, Ip Man yep. mm-hmm. is related to someone who was part of Jiao Ga, you know. And so part of Jiao Ga has some philosophy come, that comes from that style, from, um, you know, Wing Chun. And 
Wong, Wong Fei Hong, also Wong Fei Hong was legendary for being um, uh, equally master being an acupuncturist and martial arts. And he was the one that actually showcased the, uh, you know, how you could compare or, or, you know, he pit Chinese medicine through acupuncture against Western medicine. Mm. Told many different stories about that through film and all this much, all this like, if you, all these Shaw Brothers films have told many stories. Oh, of, Shaw Brothers, yeah. yeah. Wong Fei Hong is like stuff, legendary. Man. And he's Jao Ga like Hungar style? Like close Jao Ga like has Hungar. Yeah. yeah. He has his roots in Hungar. Choi Ga. Mm -hmm. Choi Ga is known for like very, very incredible footwork. And mm -hmm. Hungar, strong arms yeah, and strong exactly, arms. Yeah. So Jao, Jao Ga is a blend of those two. Northern and Southern Shaolin. So he has all this cool stuff. And he tells folklore through lion dance. And then I specialize in lion dance and lion dance music. So lion dance music is what fuels Fu Orchestra, the, oh. the music that I wrote for, for my project, yeah. which I developed at the Afro Spot. Because yes. when, mm -hmm. I, when, yeah. I, when I joined Antibalas... I remember I when like, I started, yeah. started. I was like, if I want to join, if I want to be an Antibalas, I, I want to really get into what I would do if I want to do music for real. Yeah. And then I kind of started writing all those you know, all these um, compositions, which is now going to be released with a, as, as Antibala's playing Full Chronicles. <laughs> nice. It comes out in 2020, uh, February, next. In, in, okay. So, yeah, nice, so that's man. exciting. That so, like, exciting. all that music, kind of like, oh, you know what, Antibala's, you know, recorded because a lot of the guys who are Antibala's yeah. played, and I've always played on, on that music. So I felt the band was in a good place. It sounded really good. I'm, I've been playing with them for so long, you know, what, what better band can just step in right. and just deliver? And they know the vibe. Yeah. Not yeah. Just, they know, exactly. Yeah. People can learn the notes and the arrangements, yeah. exactly. but they got the feel. If they can. Yeah. And then Gabe, Gabe Roth, who was in the beginning of everything, was the one that recorded it. You know, it's going to be on Daptone. So, oh, okay. so it felt like I was completing the story, you know, like kind of how it all started. I started with these guys, I started writing this music, and now I'm completing the music with them as part of the, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it's sex when I was telling you about 2020 becoming like um, a period where everything is, I'm birthing all these projects. So at the same time, I'm releasing a, a solo piano album. And when I started writing songs for Four Orchestra and Antibalas, I was trying to figure out how to be a pianist. I mean, I didn't want to be a pianist. I mean, you know, I, I was just trying to figure out how to figure out how to write songs. Right. So Jordan, <laughs> who has been a good friend, our trumpeter, you guys know yep. Jordan. Well, yes, yeah, I yeah. Remember him, yeah. So Jordan started started uh, his own label. Um, uh, it's called uh, System Dialing, and he started that with uh, Amir. You know Amir, the drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he and Amir started a label called System Dialing. So Jordan had been talking to me and said, yo, man, you got to gotta put, put out a piano record, man. Because he's kind of, you know, listening and observed me mess around with piano for so long. And, you know, I so he said, why don't you just, just play whatever? I said, I don't really, you know, you know what? Why don't I just play what I play at home? Like, so I play like, so I wrote all these pieces that are just like a suite of exercise, like rituals. What I do when I wake up in the morning and I, when I hit the piano is what I do. Okay. Because my fingers, I had surgery, so I was told I need to exercise my fingers. So I do all these 
exercise with every note. I walk my way from the highest to the bottom. I kind of did all that. This is what I do when I'm at home. So I did a whole series like that on this piano, and then I play a song. And I break it out again. I play another song. I play that song again slow. I play it fast. I play it again. So I did a whole like really cool movement of you know shapes. And so that's that that album is gonna be out in hopefully December. And it's a solo piano, it's just me on piano. And that would is how I would reintroduce Fu Orchestra. Because I wrote, I formed. I mean, when I formed Fu, eventually became a string based orchestra because I had cello, strings, so now I could hear it a bit more lighter, lighter for my ears. When you're playing Antibalas after 21 years, it's like, you know. But <laughs> 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 well, that's like my, that's how I hear stuff. I hear it. <laughs> and I have to like kind of, yeah. And I have to kind of, kind of like, yeah, back off. So I back up when I get home. So I say, well, let me do a back off kind of music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so, important. It's definitely important yeah. to do, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, it's powerful and it's in everything that it represents. It's like that. It speaks volume. That's what that light as a feather, heavy as lead type yeah. thing, because you're hearing these things in different contexts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you said, you're always just getting machine gunned with yeah. this. And exactly. That's, even your own head, you're like, this is just how I know this music. Now. Exactly. And then you look at it and you perform it in a different way. Even even with me on piano now, like when I when I play piano, I want to play a lot of stuff. But yeah. after like I've done, I haven't. I'm this next year. I'm gonna be doing solo piano shows. I'm. I'm I think oh I'm yeah, we're gonna play it out. Doing it. Yeah, I wanna cool, get out man. and do a solo piano. I'll play in wherever I can get the gig. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm already starting to think it out because once the record comes out, that will be the first thing we will do is I will tour with because uh, Jordan and I kind of started another. Or Jordan actually started, but I kind of jumped. He and I were just messing around doing a whole. We did an interview on Relics Magazine, just he and I, uh, talking about music. And, and then the guy wanted us to play live together. To like, so I said, sure, why not? So, so we called a couple of guys in Antibala to join us. It was four of us. Okay. And then that four piece became Armo. I mean, Armo was what I, I kind of, we were on the phone and I was, Telling Jordan what the band, what I, how I see the band, because I didn't want to. I said I don't, I don't want to do another band, Jordan, because it's like we do antibalas, I got food, yeah, food. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to squeeze food down. I'm trying to like kind of, you know, kind of like bring it down and then reintroduce it as a smaller thing. So I don't want to just start to say, well, you know, it's just half antibalas, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then so I said Armo. So I didn't, I say it with my weird accent. Yeah, that's, that's a cool name. They will just pick that as the name of the band. It's A-R-M-O, which doesn't really mean anything, you know. But in my mind, I was trying to say it's like an armor, you know, like, an, like, like an arm, like a... Armor. A shield, yeah, like yeah. Armor, like a shield, you know. I see it as a, as a jacket you could put it on, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like an iron shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so it became that band. So now we think, now we have a record out from that band. So that... We're gonna we're doing a second record for that, so we figure maybe that re that band should tour next year, and I'll open for the band as a piano. So, so are you be, will you be singing as well when you're playing the piano, or is it just instrumental? I would like first start off instrumental as uh -huh. piano, really wilding out. Uh -huh. Is it like slower paced stuff, like real super chill stuff, or do you get like 
You know, it's really cool. It's it? like very playful in the beginning. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Over that, I can just tell little short stories because I'm slowly working my way from the high to the middle. Oh, the so you're middle. still? Yeah, I'm just doing okay. little things. I'm just doing. I'm doing octaves, mm -hmm. and I kind of roll, fingers rolling. Roll together, yeah, yeah. Okay. roll back together, <laughs> but it's very rhythmic and it has a rhythmic thing happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I change the rhythm a little bit, so so the rhythm is kind of engaging. So it's like I'm playing, I, I play a similar rhythms with both fingers, but they are like inverted a little bit some somehow. I know. I invert okay. it, you know, and then I give it a a, a nice little rhythmic spin. Rhythm, rhythm that you know I'm used to hearing that way, you know. Okay. So that kind of changes. It's very good. It's good listening to it because Jordan loves it. <laughs> Jordan, you like it, hey? Jordan likes it, right. and he's putting it out. It's great for the world. That's a good fan to have. <laughs> yeah, he you know he thinks it's, it sounds like um, what's that? What's that pianist name again? It's badass monk. Uh, yeah. I'm, oh, Thelonious monk. Thelonious monk. Yeah. Jordan thinks. It sounds like a Thelonious Monk first huh. record. Huh. Wow. It's like, really? <laughs> That's a good jump off. Yeah, you do. I think you're doing something right then. <laughs> you're, you're like, because I, I haven't really listened to Thelonious Monk. I've just seen his image. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I've, maybe I may have heard something of his that someone said, That's Thelonious Monk. So I'm, because I'm not really. But you're on the same wavelength. That's one thing. That's one thing that I tried to do. Like when I started the, at the Afro Spot, at that point, I stopped listening to music. Mm. Because I said I want to, I want to write music. So I was really f afraid of sounding something like someone exactly. Else, I was yeah. always weird. I said, like, I, nah, I, I don't want, I don't want someone to make to like say I'm sounding like that person. So I was right. always trying hard to sound like nobody. Yeah. <laughs> or like, oh, kind that's of. It's really sound. hard to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, so that's why I wouldn't listen to anyone. Mm -hmm. So I will only listen to what I'm doing. So I became closed into my own little head. Like all I ever do is what I've been doing, but. I'm sure other people have sipped into what I'm doing. Like, you know, like I would let other people's technique sip into mm -hmm. what I'm doing. So that's kind of how I'm doing it now, where if I like someone's technique of playing something, I'll play my song in that technique, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I have, so I can still personalize it. So I'm not making it sound too much like that person. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like one of those, it's whatever, it's like an artistic decision about how I do like what I do. Also like the, the crossroads of music and martial arts is because you can learn the form. Yes. But that form really comes to life when you make it when your you, own. Yeah. You know? And as an application of, just what you just said now kind of goes into the next thing I was about to say. Like when I, when I started writing uh, songs, the, when I got, the first song I wrote was MTTT. Yeah, MTTT. When I wrote it, it was very. I wrote it intentionally. I had. I wanted. I put. I put an intent behind the song. I said, I want to, this song, not only to teach me how to write a song, I wanted it to be, to be really, really, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, it, it. It needed to be very mathematical. It has to be like everything has to kind of fit nicely, and it's a. It's, it's, it's a play on rhythms. It's got and its edges. It's yeah. Everything kind of fits nicely, yeah. and then it was like it's, and then it moves, and it has an A B A B form. So I started with what you call A B A B form because I wanted to get away from fella style of, 
of composing. So I said, well, if I write A, B, A, B, which means you start a song at A, A, go into B, go back to A, and end up in back in B. So my songs got really long. I said, good. How much been really long? So because all this, that's going to break some rules. So those were things that, I was, that was helping me just be free to go as far as I could go because I wasn't really sure how I was gonna, where I was going to end up with this. I said, let me just go on this journey. So that was the first song. And then I said, well, let me get into application, application of my martial arts. I've been teaching the style now and fighting techniques. Mm-hmm. And, and I specialize in, in teaching you uh, with the language you're familiar with, like whatever things that you do besides the martial arts you're coming to learn. I would try to understand your other, you know. It's a good way to connect with yeah, people. Yeah, so like, I can really get you into understanding the martial arts through you the know, metaphor of yeah, metaphor what, what you do. Other, yeah. yeah. So that became a really cool way of me really stretching and getting deeper into teaching. And when I teach kids, I can really get, I, can, I know how to get into kids' heads. And, and you, You've and been teaching them. kids? Well, that's how I started teaching. Oh. That's my first window of teaching. So I kind of shifted to teaching adults because I'm not, I'm not around that often. So, and when you teach kids, yeah, you want to yeah. be, you know, you can't just teach them and disappear. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you oh, come on, man, you abandoned me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that part is really hard for me. That's the, that's the only thing. Like, with my, I can't teach my, my daughter. My daughter is to be too much like me in a way where she just knows everything. Yep, that's, trust yeah. me. I'm dealing with my kids with that too. <laughs> oh. I, try to make my, I try to make my kids train with me too um, to teach them Muay Thai. No, and uh, it's not happening, man. My I son mean, knows some, everything. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a champion already. <laughs> he doesn't need to know anything. He's already know. And I'm like, uh, okay, so you've never learned anything. How do you know? And he's like, I just know. It'll just happen. He has literally said that to me. When I need to know it, it's just I'll just do it. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like, well, you remember when you have we to were... try hard and like you have to practice <laughs> and condition yourself. <laughs> So when was, we were when we were talking about like being that age, like in, on another show, we were talking about this, and you're like, when I was, you know, when, when I was like nine or ten, I was a fucking ninja. Yeah, yeah, you totally, hundred percent. Like, <laughs> like I, I was. I a watched ninja every kung fu movie, movie, every ninja yeah. movie. I knew I was a master. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> I read some magazines and I, I had some nunchucks that I made, and I was getting ready to order a throwing star. And, with and now every, I'm, I'm, I'm a ninja now. And with every movie, I got better. Right. I knew. I knew. I knew some like. It was like a new scroll that I read. Like hand shit. You know. Every movie was a new scroll that I read, so I got my my in, my knowledge got more in depth with every movie. And you're That's nine. So true. And man. you're nine. You know yeah, what I'm talking about, right? Exactly. You know what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing was like uh, just like last month we went to uh, went to the beach, you know, because Jen's Jen's parents. No, my lady's parents, they're like professional vacationists. You know, they retire. Nice. So all they do is take vacations and figure out which which some which you know, which house we're gonna rent for for the which beach house you're gonna where you wanna go. So I see we, where the manifestation thing comes you from. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the last beach house which we went which is in Jersey, we we saw this one book, you know. So that book had a beautiful chapter and it was about this person called Know It All. Nice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we we just took that page and and read that chapter to Nyla. I said, Nyla, check out check out this page, Nyla. Read that whole thing. 
hey, Nala, do you know anyone like that? She's like, yeah. That guy in my class. She just put it, she mentioned <laughs> One three the other. people. Like, <laughs> she mentioned herself. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, uh, she, she says, she says, uh, Daddy, 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 what is who? What is what is know it all? What is what is know it all, Mommy? She was asking, but well, remember that? Let me read that passage to you again, Nana. Maybe you didn't hear it very well. So we read that passage. This the person. This person is called Mister Know It All. Check out this person's personality. <laughs> so we read it to her again. She says, Oh yeah, yep, it's it's her, all right. She still wouldn't see herself. So I was like, and then I said, it's really slow. <laughs> nope, it ain't me. And then she yeah. started calling her that person, know it all. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say know it all tomorrow and I'm going to let her know. I said, yep, let her know, just know it all. Yeah. Not you. My, my kids don't want <laughs> we're, always the, we're always the archetypal hero, typical hero in the story. Oh, right? yeah. always. My kids don't want to be taught anything Nothing, and they bro. definitely don't want to be taught by me. I know that. That's a fact. Forget it, dude. You know? They so, don't, you know, yeah, you got to take wanna, him to an expert. Yeah, they won't let me teach them. And I tell my son all the time, like, listen, man, we'll have, we can have a good time. Like, well, this could be something for us. You know, like, we grow, you grow up with yeah. us doing this together, and it'll be amazing. By the time a few years go by, you're going to be awesome. Yeah. Because that's what it takes. I try to teach him that, like, you got to put in the work. To be awesome. See, Every, like, everything that you love, you, people that do stuff that do, are good at it. Do you ever show them like, other kids who are like... Really uh, that are bad. awesome at yeah. stuff? Yes, all the time. And then, like, what's, what's, their I wonder, like, what's their reaction? There is no reaction. Yeah, they'll be like... Yeah. yeah they, just, they just had to look Isn't away. Isn't that weird? Like, whatever. Yeah. Isn't that strange? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Okay, I'm glad that I'm not the only one dealing no, with this then. <laughs> because I'm sometimes I'm like, what's wrong with my kids? <laughs> Because I know people whose, whose kids are... I mean, I've taught other people's kids who are bad. I'm like, man, I wish my kids can be that good. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, there are some kids that yeah. just have it. Oh, yeah. They're just <laughs> like, they're, they're in it. They're focused. My, my nephew is like that with um, jiu-jitsu. I mean, the kid is a champion. He's you know winning medals left and right. I mean, he's just super focused. And, and it's it's awesome. Like, yeah. you know, it's really inspiring to see a little kid get into it like that. Yeah. Oh, and I... But then it's not fair to me to do this to my son, but I do it sometimes. I'll be like, look at your cousin. Exactly. <laughs> well, you can't help it. Yeah. I can't help it. It just comes out. Like, look at your cousin, man. Look at him. And he's like, I don't care. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, but that's the problem. You should you care. Don't care. You should. Don't you want to go hang with him at least? Let's, exactly. Let's go out and have a <laughs> Don't you want to have some healthy competition? Because <laughs> yeah. healthy competition makes you succeed. You know? There, there is a school on Habermeyer. There's a, a kickbox. There's a mixed martial arts. Uh -huh. You know, I met the guy. He's been, you know, he has, and my daughter has gone to a couple of classes there because they have after school program, and she really likes mm -hmm. it. But, and then like Jen and I were deciding. I think I think we should sign her up because I, I just kind of want her to go, make her do it. Just go for six months yeah. and get more discipline because yeah. whenever she goes, every time she would come home and tell us like, you know, the lady that she always says, blah, 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 sir. I said, that's good. Can, yeah. you, can you say that to me too? <laughs> no, 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 sir. I said, good, I like that. <laughs> so one time I, went, I, I took her to the park to teach her some, you know, so I used that and she actually did it, but it didn't last. No. And after a while, she kind of said, you know, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to say sir anymore. <laughs> I, like, Damn. I forced okay. my son to do jujitsu for two years. Two years. I forced oh, him. 
<laughs> I forced him. Then, then I, I really saw that towards the end of it, I saw that he just was not, he just was bummed. He didn't want to do it. And I knew that he kept going just to make just me happy. Just to make you happy. And I said to him one day, I said, listen, you don't have to go back if you don't want to go back. And he said, okay, I don't want to go back. <laughs> no, it was you. like done quick, man. <laughs> but I've been man. trying to bribe him more so lately. I just recently told him, I said, listen, I want you to train Muay Thai with me twice a week for six months. And then I'm going to buy you, a, you know, put a PlayStation yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'll just save up my own I money. <laughs> I said, man, come on. <laughs> I'll say, I was like, what do I have to buy you a car or something? Okay, I'll buy you a car. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what the hell? What's it gonna take? <laughs> I know. Like, my mom, my mom bought bought a car to stop me from going to coming to America. Really? Yeah. She was like, if I buy you this car, you know, I buy a car and you could just drive me to work every day. So okay, I drive to work every day anyway. <laughs> I'll still go to America still every day. <laughs> in in driving. Yeah, I told her. I said I'm still gonna go. She's like, man. Yeah, I still, I still left. And then the only way I could go was I just showed her my passport. You like, visa. I have this already. I'm ready to go. All I need now. She is was sad though, right? Some money. That's ready. scary though. To think I about know. it, as a oh. parent, you see. Send, now I'm thinking. Now I'm. You would have a heart attack. I would. Right. I if your daughter like was 17 out. and she's yeah. like, I'm going to, you know, wherever. You'd be like, Shit. oh exactly. man. Exactly. You know. See. Yeah. You don't I mean, know the pain. That's I think the reason why my mom was okay with it because I had already prepped her, because she saw that I was really driven. Uh-huh. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like my my others. Like she saw I was not like her her sister's kids because I was my mom's only child. I was the only one driven. In like I was my mom's only child, but in my mom's whole group of kids, I was the only kid there who was just getting shit done because I was making sure I was doing shit. I was trying to be on her good side so she can give me money, so she can make, you know, I was just, you know, like, I had two years to fucking prep for that shit. Mm -hmm. Two years plan to get my mom on my good side. (laughs) I walked in the bank, the bank, sorry, man, the the bank that hired me as a soccer player, like the bank, the first bank of Nigeria was, my, my mom was the manager there, so she could get a lot of us jobs there. So she got me a position because I actually I graduated from high school. So she got me a position in the foreign exchange department. That's kind of that's and that was where I was able to make all that money because the foreign exchange department, I was able to do deals, make a lot of extra cash, saved it up. I just not I was saving it up and I had all this money to like to make my moves, you know. And that was like the thing at that time was we was five of us. In my crew, we all were trying to make moves. We all like we'll get together at night, we we'll smoke, we we'll watch plane. Like in my at my house, my house was like uh, my mom's house, you know, which is still there. Which is kind of I'm I'm trying to do some some awesome stuff with that house right now. Nice. So behind the house is like the airport. Behind the house is like the airport, and it used to be the international airport. The international airport has been moved further in, so we would see planes taking off. I'll be there with my friends. We'll be there smoking. I say, yeah, I'm flying next year. Nice. We're making our plans. Like, yeah, we had our moves, man. <laughs> There's something about being around an airport, like being yeah. younger and like 
just sitting it's a good and, visual like, to see. Meditating like, I on can that shit. I can like, blast out of here. Mix it, yeah. We mix used to go in. watch planes come in, land, take yeah. off, and just smoking. You just sit there and you're like, wow, I'm going to be in like, that shit one day. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to be. It's like, I just, I saw, I saw myself, I said, I'm in it. My cousin, I knew he wouldn't say anything. He would just nod, say, yeah. But I could see he didn't have the same drive. He drank too much. I was always helping him out. I mean, he was like my half brother. He's older, two years older than me. The smartest in the whole family. Math genius. He's wow. one of those guys that if he was, if he had made it here, he would be whatever. He would be at MIT. Like we have, we have two of them came. My uncles. One of them became one of the smartest surgeons here, but then he got fucked up on Oprah. Some he had a bad patient, and he married the wrong woman, or. His wife, things fell apart. You know how things fall apart. Mm-hmm. Wife goes up to you, goes up to one of your patients, shut down your whole operation. So he went through some crazy shit like that. But his younger brother, math genius, MIT. So we have all these mathematicians in our family, and like one generation or another, in another family, be a math freak. You know, my, my <laughs> half brother, who was the closest to me, I was like his caretaker. Like I would. He prevented me from drinking because if I if I drank, I felt like there was no one to take care of him. So when we went out to the shrine, I wouldn't drink. He would just take one whole bottle because bottles, bottles of beer are like this in Nigeria. They're not like they're like forties. Yeah. Okay. We just be at the bar. He would down three. Uh huh. He would. We have three. <clears throat> wow. Another one. Third one, because it was always like. There is this whole thing about people were like, it was like a show-off thing where you would just, oh, who's that? Oh, that's the guy. He's the man. Like, it has, you have like this whole, you walk in a room, I'll take three down right away. My family's like this that whole, too. My culture this, is like that. Yeah, it's you like get a whole too. like... Uh, it's about like being a, like a macho. If you can handle your booze, then it's you're more the like you're the man, yeah. 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 But the thing is, he couldn't handle it. He would drink like that, and then within a half hour, out. <laughs> then I had to carry him home. Mm. So that had a trauma. I did it twice, though. Not like a lot. I did it those two times traumatized me so much that it stuck to me for so long, you know. And that, so that actually helped me. It helped me, you know, keep my head together. Yeah. And, you know, like sometimes. To not go down like that. Yeah. You know, so like my focus was, you know, my martial arts gave me a good, you know, good focus, and I, I kind of kept it through till like today, when I think about martial arts, you know, mm-hmm. like man, it's like it's I have a better clarity. Oh sure. And it's like I a seatbelt. Oh man, like and especially with all this new, at least new insight and new knowledge, and you know this. This energy sources that we are like starting to tap into, and how they actually are so connected, mm-hmm. and how and how I smoke weed, for mm-hmm. example, like I feel, and then every time I see my relatives, they're all you, you fucking looking young. I say, yeah, there's some things that I've told myself that I tell myself all the fucking time. Every smoke, especially at home in the morning, my smoke is I just don't fucking puff, dude. I'm telling the smoke to take care of me. Mm-hmm. I'm thanking the smoke. I'm using it as part of my, you know, my being. affirmative being, right? You know, like yeah. this is part of who you are. 
And if you don't, if you don't realize what it is and what it's part of and what it's doing for you, dude, you're selling yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, that's when, then you're just smoking. Exactly. Yeah. When people talk about it being medicine, that's yeah. using it medicinally. Otherwise, you're either you're tapped into what it's doing yeah. and it's but part of your fabric or you're just getting high. But people make the mistake when you say medicinally that they think only the physical right. medicine for the physical, not the mental Man. The spiritual, yeah, you know, it's three different bodies. Exactly. But most people think when they when you have medicine, they think of just your physical body only. They neglect the other two realms. The way it's it's you know the the attitude of like oh it's mm -hmm. medicine it's like mm -hmm. from people who don't grasp it on that level, it's like you're crutching yourself the same way people get addicted to opioids. You're just high all the time. Right. Exactly. And like you're it, just abusing. Yeah. Yeah. And too much meditation is not good too. If that, you know, I mean, unless you're. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but you know, like but when you're just getting high, and you're like, yeah. I'm meditating. You have to you're like, like no, now. See, at that point, when you say, uh, it's, I wouldn't say too much meditation. That's yeah, that came you, out wrong. You, yeah, you would say like meditating in different forms at different times, because you have walking meditation, singing meditation. Right. Uh, speaking yes. meditation, right. you have all the meditative practices <laughs> yes. that you can actually, you know, it's almost like you need to be fully engaged and fully aware in those times, basically being being present all the time. That's what mm -hmm. I was leaning towards. Yeah. Was like, yeah. Presence is meditation. Like yeah, being presence present is meditation. Yeah. Yeah. It's so applying that helps. Yeah, it's various methods. And that, that's what, that's, I think, people who freak out are have difficulty with dealing with well I shouldn't say that that's even wrong for me because people I don't know why they freak out everybody has <laughs> demons <laughs> everybody's hard drive is programmed exactly you know, like, I stop right there <laughs> I don't want to be a master of that at all but I, I think where I was driving now <laughs> Like, I know exactly why people freak out. No, I don't. Just kidding. I never said that. <laughs> I was, <laughs> That's great. I, I, I made some, some um, for me, some giant leaps with what, what martial arts, uh, kind of what I'm, what I'm using it for and how I'm using it to teach these days, where I've, I've evolved into doing these workshops where... Um, I've been able to sort of like figure out how to tie in your, like figuring out who you are. Like how do you figure out who you are, that kind of whole thing and your being and how that becomes part of what you're doing now. You know, like, so through through these, through uh, this form of uh, exercises that I, that I evolved through martial arts, I was able to like, I'm now able to tell people how to, find their individual soundtracks, you know? How do you tap into who you are? Like, like first of all, I say, what's your name? So like, all my workshops, I always start with, if each person has to know each person's name. And so we start and do, each person will do repetition of your name so you can own your name. Oh, like, okay. Re-own your name. So first, first of all, and part of owning your name is, can you remember what the circumstances were that, Causes cause you to be named that name. Like if you don't, it's cool to kind of figure it out, find out, call your relatives. 
why did you name me that? What happened? Like, what was like, right. like, find, like, make it a fun experience mm-hmm. of discovering. Yeah. I want to hear that. Yeah, redis- yeah rediscover <laughs> who you are, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So people take that as a homework. Go figure out if you, if you don't. But if you have, we'll, 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 we'll put it on the, on the table as an example for the class. And we'll repeat that name like about 20 times. And kind of like go into the exercise of figuring out notes, you know, uh, whatever it is, circumstances. Mm-hmm. And once we figure that out, we'll develop a soundtrack for that person. And, I, and I what, do you, what do you mean uh, the soundtrack for the person? The soundtrack of how you can wake yourself up in the mornings, mm. when you look in the mirror. Like how do you activate your, uh, your whatever chakras. Mm-hmm. So first I focus on the fifth chakra, which is your solar plexus. Solar plexus is your, who you are. Like that's where you determine who your person is, and how you can deal with whatever fear, excitement, where you control your or where your emotions can. I, I would say control where you can direct or redirect your your, your emotion. Mm. It all starts with the solar plexus. So that's like the seat. Yeah, the seat of your being. That's you're exactly. So when we do, so then I would then I would teach people like. Um, this exercise from um, Qigong, which I you know, learned through workshops, called Small Universe. And while how small universes, how your small universe exercise would, can return you and take you back to your root. And I would tell you, what is your root? I say, well, why don't you assume that you are part of today's story? Like story is determining that all humans come from Africa. So, you know, then I would take you back to, do you, you know some of the rhythms of Africa? Yeah. Then I would sh- then I would teach them songs of issue. <clears throat> issue is uh, the I say the medium that pr- that governs all crossroads, mm-hmm. points of making intersection, intersection, a point where you got to make a decision about who like, you, who you are and who you want to be. Or blah blah blah. Right. What do you call it? Uh, issue. Ish- issue. So it's like kind of Elegba. like Elegba, yes. Elegba, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I'll teach you one or two songs from that. Or whichever you person knows, I'll just, you just invoke that. Because every time you invoke that, you are tapping into your, the source, your basic, yeah. whatever, the well, vibration. It's like yeah. It's yeah. Like there's a certain vibration that we all resonate on. The base, and yeah, exactly. Go the there. Frequency. And how often do you go there? Make it your daily routine through the who you are, your soundtrack. Mm-hmm. If you don't, the soundtrack helps you to figure out just something to start with. Because mm-hmm. that's where you start. And then you can evolve into if you're going to do OM or whatever, you know, the esoteric mm-hmm. ones that you learn. So it's more like getting, giving people uh, a tool to build from to getting back to your whatever, your center, where you do come from, because that helps you determine that, you know what, you do come from Earth, and then that Earth means whatever it is, and they call it whatever, if it is, if it, if, if it is Africa. So the reason why I use Africa, because Africa has the source of that Iroko, the spirit tree, the tree, the, the root tree. So when I think about root tree, I think about, you know, the basic rhythms rhythm of the rhythm of the spirit right so through those songs and through those rhythms you start building whatever re you know re re reshaping who you are the in your individual self so 
I do this workshop in uh, in um, in concert with learning martial arts movements, basic mm-hmm. movements, and then learning <laughs> and doing it with my my wife's program, the Miss Manifestation program. Mm-hmm. So our mm-hmm. our program. So when I'm doing that, I'm helping the individual learn something about singing, about voice and vibration, yeah. about breathing, about how to bring yourself from you know, high tension to low tension, and how to meditate, how to enter your body, and how, you know, like, how do you enter, you know, like, entering your body starts with obviously being able to see first, one thing about that is like if you if if you know if you know like an anatomy or if you haven't if you don't know anatomy, I always recommend learning about anatomy mm-hmm. so you can see your inside organs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So once you see your inner organs, right, and you can enter it. So if your mind can enter your inner organ, you could feel like you could feel like you could actually create a shape of whatever it is. That, in terms of meditation is or, yeah. or, or, or qigong, mm-hmm. is you you create like a like a plastic tube. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like I you, totally you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So you are you, uh, you you feel like you like if you watch all those movies called whatever those alien movies, you can see something entering your body. Yeah. So enter that right, yeah, then right. you become that thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you kind like of like a new feel, structure within yeah. your structure. Yeah. So you build your structure yeah. so that way it helps you. You know, like eliminate the outer out outside world. Yeah. Then you become more. You live in you that. You live within that structure. That yeah. Whenever I get yeah. hurt. Yeah. Like you know, trauma wise, not just like a swollen ankle mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, like actual trauma. Like yeah. when I hurt my eye, for example, and I mm-hmm. had those surgeries, I would literally be laying there. Super meditation. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm healing. I'm surgery, whatever. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm meditating, but I'm in and out of sleep and out of consciousness because you're recovering yeah, from yeah. surgery. Yeah. I mean, that's major trauma, right? So I would imagine when I was coherent, I would imagine myself like I would take like light mm. inside of me and push it towards where the the trauma area was, and imagine like cellular reconstruction, all right. the way to like healing, yeah, like fully healed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Now right I don't there. know if that's just me being a crazy no, ass motherfucker. No, man. <laughs> you know, it was the painkillers. Well, I actually like healed pain myself that way. You, you I don't know. Were, you were having uh, what I call the uh, you were having the DMT moment. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. You're, you yeah, because yeah. because you have the knowledge. or you yeah. you have the knowledge. Yeah. And if you if you have the knowledge, is how often. Yeah. Do you exercise that knowledge? And it's so like that, digital too. Right I'm now. talking like digital. Yeah, yeah. Like you're traveling. You know? You're you're traveling, and you're yeah. you're in your your. How you put? It? When I do, do this, yeah. I'm seeing the electricity. Yeah, exactly. I'm seeing the electricity, but I'm also en- like making electricity yeah. that I'm following, but that energy is also leading as well. Yeah. So yeah. like, just go with it, and where does it go? Like it yeah. needs to go here. I, do like, you feel like you're not you are you you possess electrical? Energy, currency, currency. Yeah, do you, yeah. do I don't you, know if you, you see it? these laser yeah. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, it, you know what? Wait till I burn a hole through your chest in ten minutes. <laughs> let me, let me, let me uh, shed light to that a little bit because I, uh, when I went to this, um, I, I went to a, a qigong workshop that was host that was uh, put on by my uh, my elder, you know, mm-hmm. one of our sifus. When he's the first thing he said in that qigong, which is kind of interesting to me, was. First thing he said, the word chi has its roots in Africa. Really? I was like, 
So I, yeah, what? I sat back. Like, <laughs> yes, tell me. Eddie was a Chinese guy <laughs> that said that. And then he gave an analogy. He said, when you, whenever you hear, uh, actually, the way he put it was it has its roots in voodoo. Or voodoo, not voodoo has its roots in China. In that connectivity, he explained it this way. When you, we have a thing in, in uh, Qigong called remote healing, where we can perform a healing, a healing exercise here on the doll that represents the patient in a distant location. And that practice, they call it voodoo in Haiti or in you know, in, uh, in Orisha practice, <coughs> which is we do have chakra points where when you put a needle in, you can cause ailment, emotion, immo mm. immobility in the person that you are, you know, directing it to. And mm. it's a, I and see the connection here now. Yeah. So from that explanation, <clears throat> he, went, he didn't go as far as he wanted to go, but he just gave us as a, as a basic. Yeah. Info in, in connectivity. That's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> so we did it then <clears throat> at some point in that class, I'm just jump, jumping forward, we did a group thing called, we, did, we practiced remote healing, where we all got together in a circle. After we had done several exercises <clears throat> to determine what we all were, I was electrical energy. The reason was because... I live in the city. So when you live in a city, mm -hmm. you are always around high yeah. vibration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's always plugged in. Yes, yeah. for you to uh, survive in that environment, your body naturally would raise its vibration to meet that. Because that's the, yeah. that's the voltage in the yes. current. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes yeah. sense why you feel yeah. like. Yeah. You know? So when I was in that group, I was in the group from a big city who had electrical, electrically charged energy. So we did remote healing as a group. And they did that in ancient China, where a whole group would get together to heal another whole, or like one person who is really ailing. So, yeah, yeah. so this, is a, this is an ancient practice, and it only exists because... Well, even, like, even just like the... Group prayer too, in yeah, general, exactly. you know, just mm -hmm. a higher vibration. Yeah, the higher vibration, and it just kind of like expresses, or at least it it helps us delve into the explanation of why why people or why some of why some new science or old science has always said we ex all exist in this vacuum, and all, all there's a, this vacuum that we all exist in. We're all tapping into the same source. So the energy is there. We're just antennas. Mm -hmm. And we don't right. really store anything. Everything exists in that field. Yeah. Right. Conduits. This yeah. is this is the only <clears throat> we thing. are just like you could take this away. Can, yeah. And that energy is still it's flowing. Still flowing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're just so, a shell. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's that like when you understand that in in its at its biological level, then you create a practice called daily practice. <laughs> right. Living. Of being that light yeah. on yeah. a constant basis. So 
Therefore, you are constantly renewing, regenerating, and you are you you are living in a in a in a place of whatever constant limitless right source yeah. of thinking. So, in a sense, not to say that you are avoiding the daily practice of paying regular bills and taking <laughs> care of business, <laughs> but you are not caught up. Right. In knowing that in any condition, everything is constantly temporary and things are always constantly getting better depending on where you position yourself. If you, if you put yourself as a manifester, you put yourself in a place of, you know what, I don't give a shit what's going on. I'm going to stay happy all the time because I want to make sure that I'm keeping that nutrient inside of me, keeping on a happy kill. So I don't care if you, you know. Bottom line is knowing what to be tapping into at the right time, you know, and that's kind of like that's been like a wonderful thing to figure out how to make that part of my martial art training or teachings. Like when I teach fighting, mm -hmm. like if you find yourself in the place where you want to fight, I teach from a place of love, <clears throat> or I, I fight from a place of happiness and love where I use my happiness as a source of distraction for the person who I'm about to engage in. Mm -hmm. uh, overt or excessive emotion always throws, especially when it's not normal, when it's not expected, you know, when it's the opposite. Like when someone expecting you to get fear, you laugh. And when, you, yeah. when you're about to punch someone, instead of right. punching her with anger, you punch him while you're smiling. You know, at the same time, you know, like sounds terrifying. You know, when we're, no, my brother. <laughs> when, we, when we're sparring, you know, we're like we're laughing and joking the whole time. You get beat up by yeah. a mile and he's laughing at you. And he's smiling. Just laughing. This yeah. is great. <laughs> exactly. And it's better. And it's better when they when they get you. It's like when they get angry, you laugh about yeah. it <laughs> because then that person is like not knowing. Like what to expect? Is this person, what are they resonating yeah. on? Yeah, I don't so catch that it, resonating. Yeah, like they can't throws catch the... that person off and allows you to either get away, you know, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And that's like usually, like especially like when I was I was doing a class at um at this uh, yoga spot uh, called uh, Secret Yoga, and there was another brother there who was also teaching um teaching capoeira. He was very young and he was teaching Angola because Angola uh, no not Angola he was teaching um. Regional. Yeah, regional. And regional tends to be very flashy, okay. and which is usually associated with youth as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. Because people, people, people that tend to, to study, uh, you know, like Angola, tends to be a bit more kind of like chill, a bit more, you know, older, you know, somehow. I always, I always feel like people, people that I meet that, that, that study that, version of uh, Angola. is more Angola. like, isn't it more, more lower roots. to the ground too, yeah. right? Lower to the ground, very rootsy. Yeah. And there's a lot more music too. Mm -hmm. They focus more on the rhythm of the music, more on the rhythm of the music with the movements. So the movements are slower. Mm -hmm. Yes, slower. exactly. Regional. It's more flash jumping and it's a lot it's of faster more too. acrobatic too. Yeah, exactly. This guy practiced regional. So, and he was trying to show me some moves. In my style, I become a cripple. I'll let you. Hmm. Awesome. So that's how I did to him because I don't show nothing. 
at all. I was just trying to figure out where he was coming from. Were you trying to really show me something? Or are you proving that you are better than me because you're smaller and I'm much bigger than you? I, I wasn't sure which, which one it was. Yeah. Or was this one just trying to be friendly? Mm-hmm. And because he didn't give me any of those, I gave him nothing. I just gave him... You return the energy. I return, like, I'm yeah. just, I don't know what I'm doing, bro. I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of cool to see that it affected him in such a way. He yeah, didn't know how, how to he, come back. That's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah, he didn't yeah. know. <laughs> so I never saw him again. He never really approached me. <laughs> because sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just give him completely nuts. It's like, I'm going to lay down right yeah. here. He's yeah. like, what the fuck? This is not how we do this. <laughs> My pants ripped. Oh shit, man! My pants are ripped. That is great. <laughs> I just started laughing because my actually my pants ripped. <laughs> and the whole thing. And then I had my I had three of my students there. All kind of like they all, we all kind of laughed. And then later I, I kind of started. I didn't even discuss that with them. I just moved on. I moved on to other things. And then you know because there was an older woman there, the older black woman. Because they are like, you can't pull the curtain over an older black woman's face. She just wants to know, when I'm on the subway, you know, like, what do I do? She just loved the whole idea about smiling. I said, because that smiling one works because if you smile to someone. It throws them off for sure. Totally. And then when it goes, laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Either they're going to hit you. But when they hit you, they're not going to hit you right. They're going to hit you with anger. You know, they're not going to aim right. The idea is, like, don't aim right. But you need to aim right and then get out, you know. So it's like one of those things, just giving people, like, little like little tools to... Because martial arts is really about, you know, it's the about surviving. Yeah, 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 it's not about... The other one is just more like showboat to go in competition, which I did. And it's, it's kind of cool to be able to do the movements and understand... You know, balance, because that one really helps me on stage, you know, like being able to be very yeah. organic in my movements. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, we talk yeah. about this all the time, yeah. uh, a couple of times, about uh, martial arts being in everything. Yes. Yeah. You know, like I've mentioned before, like growing up skateboarding, yeah. I always thought skateboarding was a martial art. Yeah. That's what it meant to me. It was like another kung fu. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Just like to have discipline with your body and to mm-hmm. do weird, like kind of like kicking movements, and like you're just incorporating this piece of wood with wheels on it. And yeah. How much it but acrobatically actually... making it to flip around in unison with you and land it in different ways, yeah. style wise. Everybody has different style. It's like different styles of skateboard kung fu. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, but I, yeah. Yeah, that's... and that, that that kind of just like like music, same thing. You yes. Know? I mean, that was like in, in my when I when I joined um, the crew. You know, with Antibalas too. I was all I was, all I thought about was just where it wasn't much more because I already knew all the stuff, the, the movies, the soundtrack, and the obvious stuff. I was trying to figure out other things like just the you know movement versus rhythm, or movement versus you know like how the how the sound moves and stops. Like, and, you know, not just, not swooshes, just more like, like rhythmic connections, like long versus short, triple versus quadruple. And I looked at it as a technique. Like if mm-hmm. I'm fighting, usually like in, um, like in Jao Ga, for example, when you, when you, 
we do in in throwing techniques, I throw jab jab hook cross slide hook cross 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 hook. So I'm thinking it's you a know, rhythm. Yeah, the <laughs> rhythm of the movement of like I just punch, 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 and I stop for a second and I duck and I swung over, slam. You know, like, yeah. How so, are you going to conduct exactly. that movement? Yeah. Like, I think if you, just, were, I think if you, you were wrote conducting an orchestra, you would be like, boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 exactly. That's what I think sometimes. Yeah, like that exactly. You just wrote another song, man. It's called Hook, Hook, Jab, Cross, Hook. I just, when he said that, I was like, yeah, it sounds like somebody's getting rained on right now after that. Slide. Slide. Like slide. Trying to come back into that, you, you don't even. He's gonna be laughing at you the whole time, smiling, whipping your ass up and down, man. And I won't. And smiling and laughing, freaking the fuck out of you. Slide, jump, jump, jump. You know, for real, man. Like, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. When no, you no, describe no, no. that combo, no, no, it was just like, excellent. Ooh, somebody's, somebody's having a bad night tonight. <laughs> that's, like, that's like 20 jabs in You're a like, row. Stop and laughing. Stop laughing. Stop hitting me. <laughs> Oh when I saw goodness. you, when you were explaining it, I saw you in the like kung fu yeah. temple, like on the gravel. Like, <laughs> God, like I stepped when you did that. I saw that in my head. You had to throw the cripple move in there too. <laughs> you said, I, I was like, I saw it in the movie. Like, with the film. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like uh, you know, like all this like two man fighting set. That when you, you know, and and the funny thing was. Um, like recently, when I when we were tracking after we tracked, you know all the songs again, we tracked it at, at Gabe's spot at um, you know at um, Daptone. So I went over to you know Gabe's Gabe's spot. It's his spot in, in uh, Riverside in LA in in California. So we started. We were talking about maybe we should we should uh, find some um, kung fu yells and screams we use as uh, you know. So I said, no, man, I, you know, like in the form, I got all the yells. But we decided to just go and listen to, like, soundtracks of yells from Show Brothers. Oh, oh my God. That shit was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to share some of the music with you guys, man. Like, Fist of Flowers, which is, like, going to be, uh, it, it didn't fit the LP. It's a bit too, the LP. Only <clears throat> I like five, the name. Only five songs. Yeah, Fist of Flower is, a, is an actual form that I teach in Jaoga. In Jaoga, it's called Flower Fist. Mm. So I flipped it called Fist yeah. of Flower. That's I wanted cool. to express yeah. the flower of life. But I didn't, I mean, I, 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 I thought it was too obvious to get into the flower of life and make it too. So I just described the movements in, mm -hmm. in, of, Fist of, of the, the, the Kung Fu movements. So I wanted to be able to interject the movement with, you know the graphics, the shape, which, which I'm I'm kind of like in that I'm in that mode. I'm I'm trying to shoot a video in Nigeria. Like I'm I'm going to Lagos literally next month. Oh, awesome! For for, for a celebration, and I want to shoot two scenes from, for the for the album. The album comes out in 2020 um, uh, February. So we're hoping to have a video ready. You know, as as the album drops, have I want at least one one video ready. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, I want to kind of like I want to like you know like I want to take advantage of kung fu movies yeah, and yeah. how they yeah you know how they drop have like a preview comes out yeah and, yeah yeah it's awesome you know 
What's the new album called? Uh, the album, the new album is called Fu Chronicles. Like, you know, Kung Fu Chronicles. <clears throat> nice, man. Looking forward to it. I can't wait to hear yeah. that. Yeah. You guys were just in Bali and France, too, right, recently? Um, yeah. I, like, I, um, I've been, like, my, uh, my wife, um, Jan, she's been doing this, this program in, in Bali where she takes, she takes her clients to Bali at the end of, end of their, end of their program, they, they sign up with her for this Manifestation Masters program where they take their business to another whole level. So so they have certain, uh, like a, a crash, a crash course, whatever, you know, like their, the finale of their, of, of their month, of their six month program, mm-hmm. the end in Bali with a week of like hardcore, intensive work on concluding, mm-hmm. you know, their, their project, which is called like all part, all 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 paid for, so they basically go as part of their program. So I go with them to help out with raising, you know, taking care of Naila. So that also helps us, you know, do other things. So I eventually created a, uh, a, a program to support what mm-hmm. she's doing. Um, and then we we uh, met some friends out there, and you know, like looking at some possibilities out there. It's really this this cool spot called um, Simbawa, which is like um, like a like off the grid, you know, for artists that in Bali. In Bali, they get re- recommended by me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't moved there yet, but you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but man, I, <laughs> I bet you it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. It's I incredible. Would love to go there. It's incredible, man. So you know, I'm 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 looking forward to like at least just hang and and see the evolution there. It's like a good spot to see how you can be off the grid and build natural. Yeah. And they have like they're doing things like permaculture style. They have farmers out there. They got builders from from Burning Man building some organic structures, pyramids, and, and whatnot. <clears throat> really, really cool stuff. And um. I see it as a spot to experiment on how to build on a coastal, how to build and live on a coastal, uh, or be a coastal resident. You need to live temporary, you know, be able to float away when the cataclysms. That's, I mean, for me, I see it as, uh, you know, like there is limitless ways that we could, we could continue to exist. If we, if we choose to want to exist on this, on this plane, you know, or if we want to follow the likes of, you know, Nassim Haramein, you know, who I've been, I've been following, you know, like some, some heavy thinkers and people who, you know, who believe in, uh, you know, uh, figuring out how to take off, off this planet, you know, using singularity and having it available to every person, you know. Who was, who did you just mention? It was a guy called uh, Nassim Haramein. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that uh, is. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a pretty cool thinker, physicist, um, scientist. Hmm. Um, got to check him out. Yeah, he's, he's got a pretty cool project in, uh, in the West Coast. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share some of that with you. Yeah, Just his please. name alone, if you, you know, if you Google his name, you'll Nassim Nassim Haramein. Yeah, Haramain. yeah, he's okay. Um, I think it's uh, um, it's called the uh, what's that program called? It's you know, he he's he's 
Uh, what's that called again? It'll come to me in a minute. But uh, his his uh, his his way of of explaining, you know, how the universe works is pretty cool. I mean, there's not nothing new, but it's just he just happens to be a guy that can describe it in a very yeah. hippie way. He's he's, he's okay. a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hippie, and he actually did some scientific uh, discoveries of, of his own. That, That's cool. Yeah, that actually is 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 changing the uh, scientific world. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm excited to check this guy out. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, dude. Oh man, I gotta yeah, tell man, you, man. What you, what you guys been up to, man? I've been just I, running my mouth, man. No, non-stop. it's awesome, man. <laughs> I, I think it's so great, man. I had a great time. Um, you're one of those dudes, man. That whenever I run into you, it's like an instant time machine. Oh man! Like I feel like I, it's like 1998. For real, man. 1998. <laughs> Woo! I'm associating that because that's when I met you. That's yeah. what I mean. So it brings me right back to like day one. I'm like, holy shit, this is so crazy. Time crazy. goes by fast, man. Fast, yeah. fast. Time goes by fast. We want to thank Amayo for coming by, hanging out with us at the Tiger Pit. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the Tiger Pit Podcast. Give us a like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Take it easy.